Welcome to the Flatline with your host, Rick Hughes. For the next 30 minutes, you'll be inspired, motivated, educated, but never manipulated. Now, your host, Rick Hughes. Good morning and welcome to the Flatline. I'm your host, Rick Hughes, and for the next few minutes, please stay with me. As always, as usual, it's the normal procedure here. No games, no gimmicks. No, we're not here to sell you anything. We're not here to hustle you. We're here to give you some accurate information. Our job is to verify and identify the plan of God for your life. And your job, if you decide to accept it, is to orient and adjust to the plan. That's up to you. But I'm Rick Hughes, host of The Flatline, heard every Sunday morning here on this radio station. And I'd like to thank you for listening. Thank you for being a part of the show. All across the United States this morning, people are going to hear this message. What an honor, what a challenge, what a thrill it is for me to give this information. Recently, my very own pastor, and I always encourage you, find a pastor that can teach you God's Word. That's the most critical thing for you. Get under a well-qualified pastor so you can listen and learn God's Word and and uh, wind up actually living the Christian life in the proper way. So many people want to make the rules up as they go along, and you can't do that. There is a properly prescribed procedure to live the Christian life. It's a supernatural life, and it requires supernatural assets. You've heard me say that before. And you can't live the Christian life based on just being a moral person, saying, well, I'm a moral person, I don't uh, do certain things, so I'm a good Christian. Even unbelievers can be good, moral people. But what I want to show you this morning is something that's very interesting. It's a real challenge because so many people really don't know the answer to this. In Luke, cha- excuse me, in John chapter 11, Jesus Christ our Lord is going to uh, be confronted with the death of a very close friend. My pastor was teaching this lately, and I really enjoyed his message on that, and I want to take part of what he taught me and spin it off and show it to you. In, Luke, in John chapter 11, a certain man was sick named Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary, and her sister Martha. Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, brother and sister, all living in Bethany. And Lazarus got sick, and they sent word for Jesus to come and for Jesus to cure Lazarus. And uh, unfortunately, and this was the way God's plan is, Listen to John eleven three. Therefore the sisters sent unto him, saying, Lord, he whom you love is sick. Now they knew that the Lord Jesus Christ and Lazarus had a personal friendship, and the Lord respected Lazarus. Verse four, when Jesus heard that when Jesus heard that, he said, This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, and that the Son of God might be glorified as a result of it. In verse 5, John wrote these words, Jesus loved Martha, her sister, and Lazarus. What a tremendous thing to know that Jesus Christ, the anointed Son of God, loves you personally. You know, I can say that for you today, too. You might not have met him face to face like they did. You might not have walked with him like they did. But he lives in you. The Lord Jesus Christ is just as much with you as he was with Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. He lives with you. There's a song that says he walks with me and talks with me along life's narrow way. 
He lives, he lives, Christ Jesus lives today. He does live, and he lives inside of you. It's the most unique thing in the history of the world. It's the mystery doctrine of the church, Christ in you, the hope of glory, the confidence we have in our resurrection life. And we're going to see that here today. Jesus Christ, if you have made a decision to believe in him, he lives in you. Isn't that amazing to think about that? Now, let's go on with this passage. When Jesus heard that he was sick, he stayed where he was two more days in the same place. And then, after spending two more days there, he said to the disciples, all right, let's go to Judea, and we'll go to the house of Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. The disciples weren't too keen on this, and uh, they said, well, now, just a minute, Lord. Uh, in verse 8, aren't these Jews trying to kill you? You want to go back there where they're trying to kill you? And, of course, he had to correct them about that, and uh, they did go back. And as he got back, he found out that Lazarus had indeed died. This was no surprise to the Lord Jesus Christ. In John eleven fourteen, he said to the disciples, Lazarus is dead. And I'm glad for your sakes that I was not there to the intent that you would believe. Nevertheless, let's go now. And then Thomas <clears throat> said to the other disciples, all right, all right, let's go and we'll die with him. He's so set on going to Jerusalem, Judea. They'll kill him, they'll kill us, but we'll go along. And that just like some people. In verse 17 of John 11, Jesus came and found that he had been in the grave four days already. Four days. And Martha, verse 20, when she heard that he was coming, she went out and she met him, and Mary stayed home with the people that were there grieving. And Martha kind of admonished him and said, If you had been there, my brother would not have died, but I know that even now, if you will ask God, that he will bring him back to life. And in verse 23 of John 11, Jesus said, Your brother will rise again. Unfortunately, Martha thought he was talking of the resurrection the resurrection of the dead. But this is not what he was talking about. And, uh, and so Jesus said, I am the resurrection, and I am the life. And he that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Do you believe this? And she said unto him, Yes, Lord, I believe you are the Christ, the Son of God, who should come into the world. That's what it takes to be saved. That's exactly what it takes to become a Christian. Do you believe that I am the resurrection and the life? Do you believe I'm the Son of God? And she said it definitively, Yes, I believe you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. That's the most critical question I could ask you today. Do you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God? And if you do, then that's all that's necessary for you to have eternal life. You don't have to join up. You don't have to fess up. You don't have to give up. You just have to believe because this is something called grace. The Bible says, for by grace are you saved through faith. It's a gift from God, not of works, lest someone would brag about it. 
Grace is a wonderful gift, a free gift from God. We have this gift because Jesus Christ our Lord went to the cross, took our place, died for us as our substitute, took our place on the cross. And the Bible says he who knew no sin was made sin for us so that we could be made the righteousness of God through him. Look at it this way. A perfect God required a perfect sacrifice. You can manufacture nothing perfect. There's nothing I can manufacture that's perfect. There's nothing you or I could do to ever impress the justice of God. You see, the righteousness of God is absolutely righteous, and the justice of God is the justice, is is the uh, guardian of the righteousness of God. And so if the righteousness of God rejects us, the justice of God will have to judge us. This is what happened on the cross. He that knew no sin was made sin. On that cross, all of our sins were poured out on him. Every sin I've ever done, and there have been many, and every sin you've ever committed, many, he was judged in our place. And therefore, the Bible says, he that knew no sin was made sin for us. This is a message people really don't want to hear today. They would rather believe that if they're good, if they're moral, if they attend church, if they give, if they do things that nice Christians do, that when the evaluation times come, that's called the judgment seat of Christ, that they will be accepted into heaven because they have trusted God to save them and they've been good people. Well, if you're trusting God to save you and you're trying to be a good person, I have news for you. The works that you add are going to cancel out the grace. You can't be saved by trying to be a good person. You become a Christian by faith alone in Christ alone. What did he ask her? Do you believe this? Do you believe this? I am the resurrection. I am the life. And he that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. Do you understand what that's saying? That there will come a day when you and I will die. We will face the grave. And there may or may not be mourners. Who knows? I don't know what kind of person you are, and I don't know how many friends you have. Hope not too many for mine, because I don't want it to last a long time. It's not about me. See, this is an interesting thing about death. It's not about us. People want to eulogize the person that dies and talk about what a great and wonderful person he was. It's not about us. It's about God's faithfulness. It's about Christ. It's about what he provided. And death is the celebration of his faithfulness. Actually, the person's not dead. Yes, the person's not dead. If you have a mother or a father or, or an aunt or an uncle or a grandfather or some kin folks that were believers in Jesus Christ and they are in the grave, cheer up. They're not dead. They're in heaven. They're in the presence of God Almighty himself. Now, their body might be in the grave. It should be. It's an infected body. It's an infected body with an old sin nature that got there from Adam, Adam's original sin, imputed to us at our birth, means that we're born sinful, and this body won't operate in heaven. We have to get a new body, a different body, a resurrection body. What did the Lord say? I am the resurrection. Does he live in you? Yes, he does. 
when he walked out of that grave, this was a signature guarantee to you that you will walk out of the grave also. Here's the way it works. When that time comes, when the coroner says he, she is dead, they're going to say it's all over, they're, they're dead, they're gone, okay, put them in the grave. Wherever they put you, whether they bury you or cremate you, it doesn't make any difference. You're going to resurrect. You're going to walk out of that in a new body when the Lord Jesus Christ returns. At the exit resurrection in 1 Thessalonians 4, you will walk out of the grave in a new body, a resurrection body. But what about now? We know that now any person who believes in Jesus Christ and departs this earth goes to be face-to-face with the Father. And the only thing we can assume is there's some sort of interim body that we reside in until we get our resurrection body. But we're going to get a resurrection body, and that body is like the body of Jesus Christ. But what we are going to see here is not a resurrection body. What you're going to see happen to Lazarus was a resuscitation, not a resurrection like a lifeguard would resuscitate somebody. This is a resuscitation because Lazarus had to die again. As a matter of fact, as a result of this, a plot was put out to kill him. And uh, this whole thing caused a lot of trouble. In John eleven fifty three, from that day forth, they took counsel together to put Jesus Christ to death. They wanted to kill him. And they wanted to kill Lazarus, too, because of Lazarus what had happened in Lazarus's life, they wanted to kill him as well to get rid of Lazarus. You can read about it all in John chapter 11. So Lazarus had to die again. But not you and not me in our resurrection body. We don't die again. In a resurrection body, that's the body we live in forever. That's the body we carry into the millennial kingdom when Jesus Christ our Lord will reside here on this earth for 1,000 years and he will rule and reign on the throne of David, and we will be here with him. So, Martha, do you believe that? Do you believe, John eleven twenty five 25, that I am the resurrection? Do you believe that I am the life? And he that believes in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. He that believes in me. Does that sound complicated? John 3.16, God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten Son, so that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. John 6.40, this is the will of God, that you believe in me, whom he has sent. In 1 John 5, he that believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. What is necessary for you to be a believer is your faith. If you put faith in the person and the work of Jesus Christ, that's you saying, I believe in him. And when you make that decision, you often express it in prayer. That's the way I did it. I prayed and I simply told the Father that I was believing in Jesus Christ and I wanted to accept him as my Savior. And I didn't feel weird. I didn't feel tingly. Nothing funny happened that I could tell of. But I was born again. I was made new, spiritually speaking. You see, we're born spiritually dead. We have a body, yep, and we have a soul, yep, 
some tall bodies, some short bodies, some skinny bodies, and some heavyset bodies. We all have a body. And we all have a soul. We all have mentality. We all have volition. We all have conscience and self-consciousness. But the human spirit, without Jesus Christ, we are born spiritually dead. So when the Bible says we have to be born again, it's not talking about the body being born again. It's not talking about the soul being born again. It's talking about a dead human spirit being made alive or quickened by means of God the Holy Spirit who comes to live inside of you. Once the Holy Spirit comes to live inside of you, he establishes a tabernacle. And this is where Christ lives in you. It's the hope of your glory. It's the guarantee, signature guarantee, that once they put you in the casket, you will walk out of that thing alive. There is no doubt about it. And this is what he had to demonstrate to Martha and to Mary as well. Do you believe that I am the resurrection and the life? And whoever it is, though he were dead, he will live. And she said, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. You want to find out if someone's a Christian? Just ask them that simple question. Do you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God? Do you believe that? Do you, you can ask them this question. Do you believe that Jesus Christ is the resurrection and the life? Pen them down. Ask them. And then you'll see. See, if they believe that all that's necessary to be saved is faith alone in Christ alone, well, then they got it right. But if they tell you, then, you know, that's nice, but that's not really enough because you've got to be a good person. You've got to, you know, behave yourself. And remember, the Bible says not by, not by works of righteousness, nothing we've done, but by his grace. For by grace are you saved through faith, the gift of God. And so the Bible says, when she so said, she went her way and called Mary, her sister, secretly, saying, the master has come. She didn't want to say it out loud. She didn't want the whole town coming out to assault Jesus on the highway, because if they had heard that he was there, they would have all come out. In verse 29, as soon as she heard that, she arose quickly and came into Jesus. And Jesus was not yet come into the town, but was in that place where Martha met him. In other words, they were maybe at a roadside park or maybe somewhere where he had met with them. In verse 31, the Jews then who were with her in the house and comforting her, when they saw her leave and get up hastily, they followed her. Wow, they thought that she was going to go to the grave and weep. They were going to stick right beside her. And uh, when Mary was come where Jesus was, she saw him. She fell down at his feet and she said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews weeping that came with her, and he groaned in his spirit, and he was troubled. And he said, where did you lay him? And they said, here, Lord. And then in verse 35, John 11, the shortest verse in the Bible, Jesus wept. Our Lord Jesus Christ was a human, and he was God. He was God-man. 
undiminished deity, true humanity, in one body forever, the God-man. Did he have emotions? Yes. Did he laugh? Yes, I'm sure he laughed. Did he cry? Yes, here it says he cried. Did he feel emotions? Yes. Did he feel appreciation for Mary, Martha, and Lazarus and compassion for their suffering? Yes. Does he feel for you? Yes. If you're suffering now, if you're going through hard times in your life, are you not aware that Jesus Christ knows about it? Maybe he's on his way right now to see you. He knows about it because he lives in you. He lives inside of you. He is your Lord. He is your Savior. He is your guarantee that in spite of whatever may happen, you will live again. You will live forever. And so the Bible says Jesus wept. And then said the Jews, look, look, you can see how much he loved him. And then Jesus said, okay, take me to the, to the tomb. Take me where he is. And uh, Martha took him, and Jesus said, roll that stone away. Let's get the stone off the door. And Martha about had a fit. Can't do that, Lord. He's going to stink. He's been in there for four days. And Jesus said, I, Jesus said unto her, said I not unto thee that if you would believe and you would see the glory of God. So they took away the stone from the place where the dead was laid, and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you've heard me, and I knew that thou hearest me always, but because of the people who stand by, I said it, that they may believe that you sent me. And when he had thus spoken, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And he that was dead walked out, bound hand and foot with grave clothes, and his face was bound about with a cloth. And Jesus said unto them, Loose him and let him go. My pastor made an interesting comment about this. He said, Have you ever wondered why he said, Lazarus, come forth? I thought, Yeah, sure, I wondered about that. Here's why he said it. If he had just said, come forth, then every person that had died would have walked out of the grave. So he had to identify who he was speaking to. This is God. This is God. Had he said, the dead should come forth, every dead person would have walked out of the grave. So he identified Lazarus and Lazarus only. And then he said, take that wrapping off of his face so he can breathe. And then many of the Jews who came to Mary and had seen the things what Jesus did believed on him. There are about seven miracles in the book of John, and every time a miracle occurs, people believe on Christ. They accept him as their Savior. And this was no different. This was a signature guarantee that he is God. This guarantee that he alone could raise people from the dead. No one else could do that. Only God could do that. And God raised Lazarus from the dead, just like God, i.e., our Lord Jesus Christ, 
will raise you from the dead if you have believed, if you have put your faith and your trust in him. Do you? Do you believe that Jesus Christ is God's anointed son? Do you believe that he's the resurrection and the life as Martha said she believed? Yes, Lord, I believe. Do you believe that? Do you believe that even if you die, you will still live? That the grave cannot hold you just like it could not hold the Lord Jesus Christ? That he guarantees you that you're going to walk out? Because if you don't believe that, you're living in a horrible situation. What a horrible thing to worry about death and not to understand the victory over death that we have as believers in Jesus Christ. We have victory over death. Death cannot hold us. To be absent from the body, the Bible clearly says, is to be face to face with the Lord. It happens to all of us. It happens to everyone that you know. Sooner or later, we all must die. And with Christ in us, we are guaranteed to walk out of the grave alive. What an amazing thing this was. Can you imagine now, a lot of people were blown away, except for the Pharisees. They were not blown away at all. They gathered a, they gathered a, a council. They convened a meeting, and they decided that they had to kill him. From that day forth, they took counsel together to put him to death. In John eleven fifty three, a contract was put out on Jesus Christ. Can you believe that? Because he resurrected Lazarus from the dead. There's a reason for that. And the reason is that the Pharisees and scribes, the, all the members of the Sanhedrin, were afraid they would lose their power and that the people would rally around Christ and Rome would put an end to everything. See, they were under Roman domination. And so they were afraid of Christ, afraid of losing their power, their prestige. There's nothing to be afraid of. To be afraid of having eternal life, to be afraid of living forever, to be afraid of resurrecting from the dead, what's there to be afraid of? Jesus Christ clearly said, I am the hope, I am the life. It's true. It's your guarantee. Wherever you are today, whatever you're facing, Christ lives in you if you have believed in him, if you have received him as your savior. And he guarantees you that in spite of whatever happens, you will live again. Your grandparents will live again. Your mom and your dad will live again. Your children will live again in Christ. We will all live again forever and forever and forever in the eternal status. What a magnificent thought, not resuscitated, resurrected in Christ. Until next week, I'm your host, Rick Hughes, saying thank you for listening to The Floodline. Thank you for listening to The Floodline with your host, Rick Hughes. If you'd like to contact Rick, please write to him at P.O. Box 100, Cropwell, Alabama, 35054, or online at www.rickhughesministries.org.